Easter blessings to each of you and to your families, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. On behalf of Father Norsum, our associate, myself, your pastor, our deacons, Kirk and Ken and Tom, our parish staff, our school staff, happy Easter, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Tonight, as we came through the front steps of the church, the church was dark, and darkness could not overcome the light. As the Word of God was proclaimed in the darkness, the Word of God strengthened our souls as to how amazing God really is in our lives. And that's why the theme for my homily tonight is the God of surprises. I often think we're still in the month of April. The greatest April Fool joke is those who do not believe in the resurrection. There are people today that do not claim that Jesus has risen from the dead as he promised. I remember being in a conversation with somebody and they said, Father, I, you know, my friend does not believe in the resurrection. I said, next time you go and talk to that person, tell them that person, your pastor, must be the biggest idiot in Jamestown. Because he gave his life to be a witness to the resurrection. As you and I are called today to go out into the world to be witnesses of the dying and rising of Jesus. Now, as we look at our readings tonight, our God really is a God of surprises. Imagine Abraham and Noah, King David, and Moses. We pray in the creed every Sunday that our Lord descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. What must have been on their faces? as Jesus went down to bring them to life, to bring them to heaven. I often spend time contemplating that. What would have been that look on Abraham, the righteous one, his face as he met Jesus face to face? The awe and the wonder that he had been waiting for. God, as a God of surprises, acts on behalf of the chosen people. He's constantly sharing his love as our readings are dripping wet and smothering tonight with the love and mercy God has for his people. Even after they fell away time and time again, God continued to welcome them back with his mercy and his love, even when they did not deserve it. That story begins with the story of creation. God did not need to create anything. He was happy in himself. But God created the world because he wanted a relationship with you and me. The generosity of God that we do not deserve because he is so gracious to us. And what I think is amazing in that first reading today, everything that he had made, he saw as very good. But then you put man and woman into the story and they screw it up. 
But it's really how generous God is. In that beautiful second reading, God puts Abraham to the test. He's testing his faith. Here Abraham has picked up his cattle, his herdsmen. He's traveled a thousand miles from Iraq to the Holy Land. And what does he get there? What does God ask? You take your only son and let's get rid of him. Do you see what God the Father has done? He spared Abraham, but God the Father did not spare his own son. Because he offered him as a sacrifice for you and for me. And because of his fidelity, God rewards him with three great blessings. Land, a nation, numerous descendants, numbering more than the stars in the sky. Can you hear the love, the mercy that resonates over and over because of the generosity of God? In our next reading, God answers the cries of those who are calling out in slavery. They're crying out to God. They want to be set free from Pharaoh in Egypt. And what does God do? In his mercy and love, he goes and breaks the chains, brings them through the Red Sea. They survive. God brings them to the promised land. Love, mercy, generosity. Our amazing God, our God of surprises. Then God surprises us again as he calls his special people into a covenant. Spousal love. Just like a man should do for his woman. Lay down his life. And God will lay down his life for his children. Our God is a God of surprises. Then he invites all who are thirsty to come to the living water. Come and drink. He's still surprising us today in the seven sacraments where he's given us that life-giving grace. Then our Lord calls us to use our gifts he has given to us to stay in communion and union with him. Then we heard how God exiled the Israelites because of their sin to wake them up as he wanted them to draw back to him as he brought them back full of hope. They had to be separated to wake up to their fidelity because of their complacency, because of their indifference. But God waited for them in patience. Patience, he waited. This salvation history story we hear tonight is God's ways are not our ways, nor are God's thoughts our thoughts. He surprises us. How? In the creation story, are we grateful? Or do we take creation for granted every day? The beauty of running water, the beauty of a fabulous North Dakota sunset, the beauty of a blizzard, not knowing that two snowflakes are the same. And if we don't contemplate creation, 
will never be drawn into the beauty of God. And that's why we can't take it for granted as our response. And that's why we should also never deny him. He surprises us too by calling us in faith, in baptism. And when we are confirmed, we make that act of faith on our own, in a public form. Because he wants to give us everything he gave to Abraham. But we have to live in faith, live for him, die for him, and witness him. Then the third surprise, God sets us free from slavery to sin. We go to him where we are poor. We go to him where we are suffering. We go to him where we are disappointed. Because he wants to raise us to life right there. As the good shepherd hanging on the cross, death and life are united. And the good shepherd wants to put us on his shoulders to carry us to heaven as that cross is elevated on Good Friday. He elevates us to heaven as the good shepherd. Then we get the surprise where God calls you and me to himself. He wants that spousal relationship, that intimacy, that deep communion. So we have to ask ourselves, do we trust him? Do we trust him with all of our heart? The fifth surprise is all about the life-giving water. Do we desire the sacraments? Or do we just show up and go through the motions? Do we come with an intention when the patent is elevated that we want God seriously to do? Or do we just let it be and become indifferent as the bells ring? Today, as I was preparing for supper, I heard a speaker on the radio. I don't even know who to give credit to. He said, if Americans do not get down on their knees with this war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine and put calluses on your knees and start begging God for it to end, America is next for the Russian targets. When is the last time we seriously got down on our knees and begged God for an end to that war? That could be us that are displaced if an attack hits our nation. That's why when we don't turn to God, we don't respond to God, we wonder why does God allow this to happen? Why does God allow that to happen? But God continues to surprise us when we do go to him. Tonight, he asks us to use our gifts, to use our gifts wisely to build up his kingdom, the church. And that's why God exiled the Israelites to wake them up so that when they come back, they will show God the reverence, the respect that he deserves as an act of justice for them to worship in the temple. You know, God surprises me every single day with miracles. Are you aware of where he touched your life today with a miracle? Opening your eyes this morning as you woke up is a miracle. You can't do that on your own. Hearing somebody speak to you today is a miracle. 
that we should never take for granted. And that's why Jesus, this man who was born in Bethlehem, who lived in Galilee as a carpenter, and called 12 of his 72 friends, most of them fishermen, working miracles on the Sea of Galilee and in the northern region, was nailed to the cross and died. Tonight is the greatest surprise, the central mystery of our faith, as Jesus Christ rises from the dead as he promised. I've done some 350 funerals in my priesthood. I've never seen anybody else rise from the dead laying in a casket. It's ridiculous to think that the apostles stole him and placed him somewhere else. It's ridiculous to think that somebody would have taken his body and burned it. And the apostles would not have shed their blood for him. This same Jesus established the church. And he had Peter as the head before he ascended to heaven. He's waiting for you. He's calling you. He wants to surprise you. Are you open? Are you willing? Are you ready? His first words after the, after the resurrection in two of the Gospels are, Do not be amazed. Why would you be amazed? His other words in another Gospel, the first word is, Peace be with you. He wants to make things right. And today, as I was praying in my holy hour, bright and early this morning, I'm going to ask you to ponder this tonight as we celebrate the resurrection. What the Lord put on my heart. The Lord said without the Eucharist and Jesus' presence, we have a human institution in the church. He has not left us he is here. Without the Eucharist, the church is a human institution. Without his presence, he is not here. Tonight, as he bursts forth from the tomb, he becomes flesh on this altar for every one of your needs, every one of your desires, and every one of your cares. My prayer for you this Easter is that you will open your heart to him and respond. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia.